Howdy friends, and welcome to the first episode of His Redemption Road. I am your host, Natalie, and I am so glad you are here with us today. My hope is that this is a place where heaven meets earth and each of us can walk away in freedom with our chains left broken on the floor. My guests and I will share extraordinary testimonies of deliverance, along with dreams, visions, and revelations intended to spur us on toward the road to redemption and ultimately reveal the unfailing love of the Father. So pull up a chair, grab a cup of tea, and invite your friends to come along for a stroll down His Redemption Road. Hi friends, and welcome to His Redemption Road. I'm your host, Natalie, and I am here today with my good friend, Shannon Stubblefield. Welcome, Shannon. Hi, Natalie. Hi, everyone. I'm so um, privileged to be here today to share God's testimony uh, about the miracles and wonders um, and His grace and redemption in my life and hope that hearing this testimony that people will be um, given just a new sense of hope of what God can do and uh, and then maybe a fire in their heart about God's love for them, that they could receive God's love in a new way to be able to be propelled forward by the Holy Spirit to walk in grace and in the fullness of who God has called them to be, that each person um, fully loved and fully accepted by God by through uh, the power of Jesus' sacrifice and love. So um, I want to start today by uh, talking a little bit about uh, my early years. My mom was a pregnant teenager. She was 15 when she got pregnant, um, unwed uh, with an older man uh, that was married, that had taken advantage of her. And um, she had me when she went up when she was 16. And um, so she was a kid, pressure uh, for adoption, mm-hmm. abortion, you know, you name it. Uh, and she was just a child, you know. So, so it's a miracle you're here Yes, today. yes. And so um, she made it. We made it. Um, but because she was just a child uh, when she had me and all the people around her were um, alcoholics and chain smokers and, you know, no Christians. And so a lot of really dark things mm-hmm. happened to her and me. You know, and so that created a lot of trauma in our lives and it just kept, you know, going, perpetuating forward. Um, You know, I swore when I was little, when I could see that the things that I was living in were horrible and devastating and traumatic and violent and uh, I can't, so many words come to mind about that. Um, Anyway, I realized that I was in a dark place. And I was realizing the evil in the world Mm. from a very small age before I ever met Jesus. So when you were young, did you realize that your home was not a typical home? Yes. Okay. You know, so when I would go to school, my clothes looked different than other people. And, you know, um, my mom would leave me at places, you know, all around, uh, and she was trying to find childcare and she worked two jobs and then would want to burn off steam with her friends who were also alcoholics and living, you know, crazy lives. Some of the places that she left me uh, were, uh, it was traumatic, you know, and but other places where I met Jesus too. So, um, you know, it's a mix, it's messy, 
but you know we have a wonderful relationship now she's been miraculously healed also oh, wow. and you know we're communicate every day so god is good and we came out on the other side of that now uh with a relationship that's loving and um healed yeah you know so did this last through your entire childhood no um my mom uh married my uh, my dad whenever she was nine I mean, whenever I was nine. And uh, so when I was nine, she got married uh, or engaged and married at 10. And she's been with him ever since. And he's a, a great guy. He's funny. And uh, he brought a lot of stability and frankly, financial stability uh, and offered stability emotionally to my mom as well. So the rut that we had been in, uh, the chaos that we had lived in uh, when he came into our lives, that changed dramatically. Um, so anyway, when, you know, I was little, I was like, oh, I, you know, I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that and blah, blah, blah. And then when I got to be old enough to be making decisions, um, the trauma, the um, addiction reared its head in my life mm -hmm. and made me make choices that put myself at further risk for more bad things to happen to me. Suicide attempts, um, running, you know, with the wrong crowd at different points in my life. And so honestly, just a lot of trauma all along. So people doing things to me when I was little and then me doing, choosing things that put me at risk and um, for more bad things to happen. And then really honestly, me just making bad choices for myself, um, just a perpetual cycle. Um, so God was good. I got saved um, when I was seven uh, and uh, accepted Jesus into my heart and got baptized and sadly, what I think is true for a lot of people, you know, when you're in school to go drive a car, you take classes, you got to practice, you know, they don't really do that for you for parenting or for like being a Christian. So, you know, I got introduced to Jesus at seven. Well, actually a bus, whenever we were living in kind of a deplorable situation, um, a bus, God was so gracious and sent a Sunday school bus in front of my house. And all the little kids, you know, all the poor kids in our neighborhood would all pile up in the neighborhood and get on the Sunday school bus. And there's food and fun and carnivals and Jesus and just remarkable. Um, so I was so grateful for that to be introduced. So, so I was, you went with them. So I went, I got on the bus. I did that while we lived in that place. We didn't live in places a long time. So, um, and then I had relatives in Mississippi uh, that were Christians that, you know, show me how to pray. And I had a great aunt that was a prayer warrior that always prayed for us, but we just didn't have a lot of contact with them, you know, so not a lot of influence, but they're, you know, especially my great aunt's prayers really made a difference. Um, so anyway, got on the bus, got to go to those things. Um, I, you know, I, I found out about Jesus. I'd see pictures of him and that he was a good man and that, that Jesus was safe with little children. And that really, um, playing on a felt board with Jesus and children and animals, I felt safe. And it made me feel like there was hope in the world that there was a good man, um, that, you know, was loving and kind and generous. And then when I was seven, um, I, uh, my mom had a good friend that babysat and Nancy still love her. She's still around. And, 
uh, her daughter, Tracy, we became great friends. Anyway, I was there for a spring break in 1977 and she piled all the kids at the nearby church for like a, I guess it was like a vacation Bible school. And so I had a formal introduction uh, with a lot of time, was discipled somewhat about who Jesus is. And I knew, I knew that, that I wanted Jesus in my heart. And the little old lady, you know, bent down with curls in her hair and whispered in my ear and talked to me like you do uh, to find out if someone really understands what they're saying. And then I got baptized. And so fast forward, like craziness, you know, life um, made a bad choice in a marriage that, to a sociopath and, uh, you know, by the grace of God, joined a cult. Like literally, you can bad thing after bad thing you could for the trying to do all the wrong things sometimes even sometimes for the right reasons I was just down a dark and twisted path mm -hmm. seeking and searching and just choosing and choosing and choosing more bad things for myself over and over again and so when I talk to people and they tell me oh this happened or that happened I don't, you know what God is bigger than that choice God is bigger. His love is grander. He will never leave or forsake you. And there's no sin that you can do running away from God that can't be undone when you make that turn to run back. Because that's what the prodigal father does. He just drops everything and runs to you and says, come back, my child, I love you. And so that just, you know, was so true in my life. And um, thankfully, I made it out alive of that marriage. I dated my husband. He says that it's the worst rebound relationship in the history of rebounds, <laughs> married the psycho and made it out with my life and um, got back together with my now husband of 27 years and, um, and we had children and I was really holding it together. I got counseling, but I didn't get soul therapy until um, uh, 2013. So what do you mean when you say soul therapy? Yes. So soul therapy um, was a step-by-step, -step, nothing like AA uh, in 2013, lean back up one year. In March 13th of 2013, I was at a fork in the road and God had been like yelling so loud at me to quit drinking. Mm -hmm. And like once a year, maybe twice a year, you know, something would happen, an event, and I would drink too much and I wouldn't even remember what I did you know, my children were mostly shielded from all of that because I was at a, you know, that house of cards, I had all these masks and I was trying to keep it all together because I didn't want my children to be scarred and have that legacy of um, alcoholism and chaos that I grew up in. So would you say you were then more like a closet alcoholic where it was between yeah, functional. you? Yes. Yeah, you were functional. functional. Okay. Yes. And um, so um, God showed me that I was about to throw away all the answer to prayers, my little girl prayers when I was a little, when I play with babies and, you know, I would just dream of, you know, having a family, you know, with a mom and a dad and little kids that all loved each other. And, you know, the wholeness that you see in other families that I didn't have whenever I was growing up. Um, so God showed me I was about to throw it all away, you know, and, and I had to make a choice. And so that day I did. And one thing after another, just amazing. I was so dried up on prayer. I had to buy an AA book on with prayers. <laughs> like I was, it was the worst. It was so bad. And I didn't realize how bad I was until, you know, like the second day. 
um, my body was screaming, you know, I didn't go into sweats and withdrawals, but my panic attacks, everything that I had been self-medicating for pain, uh, anxiety, panic attacks, all that just came raging forward. And this happened because you started AA. No, this happened because I stopped drinking. Okay. Because, okay. So you stopped drinking and I went into an intensive outpatient program. Wow. And, uh, it was very intensive and it was every day after work from six to nine and uh, Monday through Thursday. And then I was supposed to be going to uh, AA meetings. I did everything. I found a sponsor and I did all of this stuff with AA uh, and, until I got the soul therapy. And so um, I just wanted to do whatever it took. Um, I just was clinging to God and I just, whatever they said do, I just wanted to do, you know, I, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to be like that dog going back to the vomit. You know, that scripture really stuck out to me and, um, God was gracious. He put, I couldn't pray for myself. And every time I turned around, some mighty prayer warrior was like, just right in my face saying, can I pray for you? And, uh, and so God was so good. And I, um, met this amazing lady named Michelle Reekwald and she introduced me to the freedom and healing team at Grace Fellowship. And uh, I was like, yeah, whatever. I, I mean, I got some major baggage. I knew I needed like some serious help because all the counselors that I had gone to all the years to recover from the, you know, from the, the chaos and trauma of my childhood and young adulthood stuff I chose for myself. Um, you know, I sought professional help and none of it worked. Right. And so in my desperation, I went to the freedom and healing team and that is um, a beautiful ministry. So for women, it's, it's two women and for men, it's two men. And, and that's actually probably where I first met you yes. because I actually was a minister at the Freedom and Healing. Yes. Now, I was not your minister. Correct. Someone else um, led you through, mm-hmm. but that's kind of where we met. Correct. And so um, I had a lot of really terrible things going on. Um, so when I was little, I would see things like I would see evil. I could see impressions of where demons had been. I would have nightmares. I was around evil people. Um, one place in particular um, that my mom, you know, uh, were the babysitters. Um, it was a very evil place. And so I was very aware of evil in the world and um, a lot of open doors, you know, uh, into that realm from things that I was exposed to and then things I chose for myself. And so I just want to make that clear. Um, there was definitely a cycle anyway. So I went to the freedom and healing team. I got, a, a I didn't even know what an intercessor where it was. There was a leader and an intercessor and there was a seven steps to freedom by, um, Neil Anderson. And so it's nothing like the steps with AA. It's just, it's the way the materials organized, uh, to move through the scriptures and things to get, healing and to get the foundational truth. So going back to like when you become a born again Christian, I mean, when we're saved, we're saved. God made it very clear that I was saved that day in 1977, but I wasn't discipled. So I went all along in my life without walking in the freedom. Like, you know, I think about the late worker that comes to the field in the Bible. Right. And so it's, it, you know, the, the other workers are like, what the heck? Why is this late worker getting the same pay? We get the same benefit in eternity, but, but the late worker misses 
every minute, every day, every hour, receiving that fullness of the love of the Father and that identity in Christ, that walking in the blessing of the communing with the Most High God, that is so huge. And I missed that for 36 years, like, like insane. And so anyways, back to the freedom and healing appointment. Um, I had a lot of trauma and I had a lot of open doors. I had, I was being oppressed by demons and I didn't even know. Um, so they stopped my freedom and healing appointment to deal at the, the spirit led. So the leader heard from the Lord, Hey, we need to deal with some things. And so we prayed this new thing she had just learned and didn't even want to do. She had <laughs> just learned this new spiritual training and she had already said, I'm not doing that. I'm not comfortable with that. You know, whatever But God spoke so clearly to her. She got out her notes on the previous page where she had just written the day before she had just not the day before, but in that week before, I think, gotten equipped for the appointment, for my appointment. And isn't it amazing how God uses the whole body of Christ yes. and he prepares us beforehand. Yes. So this person that's taking you through the steps to freedom, right. this soul therapy, so to speak, yes. was prepared immediately before Correct. God's time together. Correct. And she even told me that she had learned that and she wasn't comfortable. And I want to stress throughout all of this, that as we move forward to walking in the fullness and freedom in Christ, that it is glorious. But a lot of times I'm so convinced that it's God because I'm really uncomfortable, you know, because God doesn't call us to be comfortable and his ways are not our ways. And what we put God in a box, we, we, we have these expectations of timing and the way things could, should go. And, you know, I just watched, um, the, um, birth of Christ, uh, recently on the live stream, uh, from the chosen and just how messy, uh, birth is in general and bloody and crazy and wild. And then to learn the birth of Christ so humble and how messy and just unexpected and, and it can be disappointing because we have certain expectations and that we put on God for things to go a certain way. And then when they don't, we are in a place of disappointment. Uh, we can be, you know, so all of that stuff, all of these foundationals, Neil Anderson has a website. So if someone's listening today and they're super curious, they feel, uh, you know, moving their spirit, like they don't even want to wait. They can go to the website, look up the steps to freedom. All the stuff is like right there on the internet. And so um, and, this trained many churches, many churches make that available. Grace Fellowship it's and to Katie, open to the community. Correct. Magnolia Cowboy there's Church no charge. in Magnolia. There's no there's, charge. Correct. There's a lot of people in a lot of places that they can get help. So if you need help, reach out. Shannon's telling you that's your time. Yes. Yeah, so you can go right <laughs> right away and get the materials and pray about it. Um, you can call, you know, Grace Fellowship's prayer ministry. You can call Cowboy Church and their, their prayer ministry, I'm sure, and um, get connected. And so, and, and male or female there online. Also, you can see that there's um, teens and young children. So um, we're, uh, you know, not immune to trauma and things happening just because we're little. Mm -hmm. You know, and so there's age appropriate materials that you can find on that. So highly uh, recommend it. Anyway, so in my set, in my uh, thing, we, we had to, I have so much stuff. We had to do two sessions um, because I had just a lot of, a lot of stuff to deal with. And I walked out of the first se session, didn't even have the whole soul therapy session yet, just half, but, but I felt lighter. I felt like I had lots of lost weight. And then, you know, and then we, 
had the next session and went through the rest of the state uh, steps. And so just like you go through the book to learn how to drive a car and then you practice and you do all that, that's what the soul therapy foundational truths are. It's like the cliff notes of everything you need to know in the Bible to be free, who you are in Christ, to, to, to break free, be free, and then maintain your freedom. And so when I walked out of that final session, I was just, I felt like I was just going to explode with excitement. Like I had, I found out things that I never knew. You know, I found out the scripture that, that the Holy Spirit, Emmanuel, God within us groans with us when we can't even pray for ourselves. I was so encouraged to know that Jesus was praying for me when I was so dried up. When I got that AA prayer book, a little black book, it was like really depressing to be looking, <laughs> you know, to muster up a prayer to have to go to a little book like that to try to find something to say to God because I had felt so far away. I had spent so many years running away from what he was calling me to do. I'd spent so many years just trying to show up to be to be a good parent, to be a good wife, to check off the good person boxes. And it was never fulfilling, never fulfilling. I tried to, you know, get degrees. I tried to, you know, I got my, I was the first one in my family to get a four-year degree. Um, in my immediate family, my mom's siblings, um, she, you know, her, her oldest brother is an attorney, but for my family, you know, to graduate from high school and which my dad did, um, but to go on and get a four-year degree, I was the first one. So, um, you know, I did that. I just kept trying to jump through all these hoops to matter. You know, I mean, I spent so much of my life just fighting and clawing and, you know, coming up against everything that came at me in my own strength. I didn't know how to just let God fight for me. And I didn't know how to relate to God, except for like the 911 button, you know, like, whoops, something's happened, time to pray, you know, and I didn't understand anything about communing with the Lord. All I had was that 911 button, you know, where you're firing up the, e the emergency prayers, you know, like you're going to call uh, an ambulance for a major problem <laughs> that is happening. So, so that did, doesn't help. That's not helpful. <laughs> no. And it sounds to me exhausting. It was, it was so exhausting. By the time um, my pastor had given a prayer, uh, given a couple of sermons that really struck home to me. Um, he gave a sermon um, talking about like, who's welcome in our church? And he used the word whore. He said, you know, if, you know, whoever are welcome, but don't stay that way. He, he held up just in, he held up these masks. I mean, he didn't have a mask in his hand, but like, you know, symbolizing a mask in his hand, a different sermon, uh, all these masks. And, you know, he took his mask off like this. And he just laid it aside as if he was taking a mask away from his face and started saying some like really like, whoa, things about his struggles. You know, he let us all know that like, don't be uncomfortable. He'd already talked to his wife about some of the things he was going to say, but he was like being real. And, um, you know, I felt safe. I felt like God, you know, like I could go up and get prayer and have this lady that I didn't even know praying for me it's amazing how God did, but like a lady, I would cut my hands at the altar and this lady would come and pray and I would cry. And I would just, I would just want so much to make the right choices, but I just felt trapped. And so by going through the soul therapy, well, first I had to turn, I had to listen to God and turn away from my wicked ways, let go of my addiction, let go of it and just run to God and say, 
I can't even run. I'm like, just God, all I can do is just let go. Can you catch me? Like I, there was, I was in, in a rut, like you couldn't believe. And, um, God caught me, did all these amazing things. Um, all the, the sermons that I made it to church, you know, I was going there to check off a box, but God had different plans. I was going there because I wanted to be a good person and I knew it was the right thing to do, but I didn't understand. I didn't have the foundational truths. I didn't have the guidebook. Like when you go to get your driver's license, they give you the how-to book. But when I got baptized at seven, no one gave me, you know, I got a Bible that day, but I didn't know how to read it. I was seven. And um, the way that I, we all moved around so much, I had so much instability in my life. Um, and it, it just, that wasn't my story, you know? So I've come to understand that God doesn't leave one thing, not, not like literally one thing. One time I was ministering to a woman and God called on me to use the meal ticket. You know, he said, remember the meal ticket. Remember what it felt like when you had to use the meal ticket to get your lunch. And that was the, the, that was the pick that God used to crack this woman open so that she could feel the emotion of what the trauma she had gone through. So like the, the most minuscule minute detail of trauma or thing in my life, uh, I have laid it at the altar since getting this healing. I was so radically changed at that, um, after that soul therapy session, things started really uh, accelerating. Like I was so transformed. People would stop me and say, wow, what are you doing? You look great. And I'm like, Jesus, you know, like Jesus is just like really transforming. My, it caused a lot of problems in my family because I was so radically transformed. I, you know, went from, you know, with all the masks to just being a full on Jesus freak, you know, and everything, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm not saying I handled everything really great right then because I, you know, probably didn't handle things truth and love and I wasn't really mature in Christ. And I probably said and did things that, but you know what, I was on fire for God. And, you know, I, I was in a desperate place to just get as close as I could uh, and commune with God and uh, see what he had to offer and be in his word and, um, so, so much grace. I received the grace in my family. You know, we, we made it, yeah. <laughs> we, we made it through, um, those awkward times, uh, when it was so trying as I was literally not recognizable. Yeah. That is so exciting. So you, you have this traumatic childhood and adulthood, correct? You, um, eventually recognize this can't stay this way. Correct. You, you surrender. I was about to lose it all. Yeah. Yes. You surrender in turn. Mm -hmm. You strike, you start taking proper steps and then you find soul therapy where then now God gets to take control. Yes. You're being changed Correct. from the inside out. Right. People are recognizing it on the outside. <laughs> so what comes next? What happens next? So, um, that was in 2013 at this, that summer I felt, um, I just was checking off boxes at church. I really hadn't got anything from me personally. So I heard that there was a gather with the girls for discerning the voices, uh, voice of God. And I had all these voices in my head. So I learned about them in soul therapy, liberating to be able to know when, um, it's me know when, you know, there might be an external source trying to um, trick me or lie to me. I got I, through soul therapy. I was immediately gifted with the ability to know and point to a lie. That's not true. 
that's not true, you know? And, um, and so my identity in Christ was just getting locked in so solidly. And, um, God told me about this gather with the girls and I, you know, I saw the invitation somewhere. Um, maybe you've got it in the mail or maybe a church or something. And I knew immediately I was supposed to go with, go to it. And I was like six months into my sobriety walk. And I was like all these good church ladies there. And, you know, I'm going to feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know anybody. And, you know, so I, I just, I just went in faith because I, I, I knew that God wanted me to be there. And, um, I got to really figure out how to discern, like literally discern the voice of God, like an extra step beyond what I building on what I had learned in the, the steps to freedom. And so, um, that was miraculous. I got to meet Beth who had been praying for me at the altar. I got to meet all these amazing women. They were actually in my small breakout group. That's how big God is. So that's how I met Michelle, um, Rickwald, um, so that's right. So I met Michelle Rickwald at the gather with the girls. And then that's how I felt out, found out about the steps to freedom. So I did the gather with the girls and then did the steps to freedom. So I was on this path and, um, that was really amazing because there was this woman that I had never met before. And I just told a testimony this weekend about her, her name was Maria Connor and God had done some like amazing things, miraculous things to get her and her family here to Katie, like on the radio, everywhere. Like it, it was so outlandish to myself when I was sitting there hearing her first speak, I was like, I'm glad I'm not sitting next to her. That lightning bolt's about to strike. <laughs> <laughs> and then I quickly just started listening more intently because her story was kind of going on and on. I was like, something inside me just kind of leapt forward. At first I was just kind of trying to joke it away uncomfortably because I, I was having a hard time hearing what she was saying and believing it, reasoning it in my mind. And then, you know, one story after another. And then I, then I was like, God, I believe, I believe, I believe you did it for her. I believe her. I believe you did it for her. Do it for me. Then the next summer, um, a year later, all these things started happening. Three things in three days. It was miraculous. God started speaking to me in undeniable ways. Um, I joined, um, I got so free that I joined um, in that process. I got evaluated at the prayer ministry. God sent me to the prayer room and um, I gave myself at the altar and uh, in the prayer room and was just swept by God into the prayer ministry as an intercessor. And so I had an intercessor and the freedom and healing appointment. And then God, you know, I just sat there crying because I had been shushed my whole life. You know, um, when you're little, nobody wants to hear what you have to say, right? And to know that the creator of the universe wanted to hear my voice. God has shown me uh, the power of the saving knowledge of Christ and the value of being discipled uh, so that someone can walk in freedom in the fullness of who God's called them to be and not be trapped in their past sins that God is the great I am and there's no sin there's no cult there is no marriage there is no suicide attempt you know uh thankfully the many that I tried were not successful God had different plans for me and um by his saving grace and uh 
you know, I sat with a, a shotgun, you know, between my legs and my foot, like near the trigger from like noon until the evening. And he sent someone to compound on my door. You know, I didn't pull the trigger. I, I stayed in that ready position to pull the trigger with that gun up at my face. And I didn't, I, I wanted to, I didn't want to live. I didn't want to go on, but I didn't put my foot, you know, I didn't put my toe on that trigger and it was getting dark and I was feeling more and more isolated. Um, and like I was going to, and that was before you went through soul therapy. That was in, that was when I was married to that sociopath. Oh, okay. So that was before I got back with my husband. Yeah. And so, so many dark places. And so God goes to the dark places. He does. If we will just wait a little bit, if we will, you know, I waited to pull that trigger, you know, so I, I, I didn't want to be alive, but then again, I didn't pull the trigger for some reason. And I think I was just in such a desperate place and God showed up. And I know for some people, it's hard hearing a testimony like this because if someone's lost someone to suicide, you know, how do you wrap your mind around that? And I really can't, I don't have all the answers. You know, I've gone to seminary and that really helped me come to a place where I can let God be God and um, understand that I'm not called to have all the answers, just to point people to Jesus to, and let them come to a reconciliation with their hurts and traumas and only God, you know, that expression, only God, it's like truly only God. So I was saved. That was just one of the many times I came to a point where I didn't want to go on anymore because you know what, we're not built to carry that. We're not built to carry the kind of trauma that I endured. Um, and being free from all of that, that's what I want people to experience. You know, whether they've been through um, rejection, trauma, sexual abuse, physical abuse, violence, whether they've been the person doing it, right? You just, you know, whatever side you're on, you're not built. We were made to worship and commune with the Most High God. That's what we're made for. Yeah. That's what He delights in us. He, he is so much that he is the prodigal father that just throws off all the cultural expectations to just run and meet us where we are. He is above us shouting and spinning and, and it just in an exuberant way and dancing. You know, that's why King David is a, is a man after God's own heart, heart, because he didn't care what other people thought, you know, he would get caught up in worship. You know, he would, you know, you know, dance out in his undergarments, you know, um, making a fool for himself, being even more indignified still because uh, God is worthy, right? right? And so that's what we're made for. So that trauma, um, you know, when I was at that point in 2013, uh, it was such a bad point. I was, you know, had fibromyalgia. I had all these health problems. I brought my book today. I know the people on the podcast can't um, see it, but I bought this book today because I wanted you to be able to see, this is the fork in the road. God gave me that image wow. and two pages of illnesses and diagnosis that, that God has healed me from. Wow. So just getting that healing prayer, um, walking in the fullness of who God's called me to. And I was like the leper because some of the things I was healed of immediately, like 
miraculously immediately. And some of the stuff like the um, arthritis in my hands where I was getting nodules, the fibromyalgia, some of these other things um, were healed as I was walking, like those lepers, as I was walking away. I just kept looking at the places and even though I hurt, you know, I would pray over the nodule and I would say, I believe, you know, help my unbelief. God, I believe you're healing me. Thank you for your healing. Because I learned how to pray healing prayers on the Freedom and Healing Team. And you learned yes. to believe believe that it was true that it was true and, and it was that god wanted that for me and so i got so much healing in that internship that i did um, with the freedom and healing team because i had to go through all of these things and experience it myself and um beautiful so all of this stuff there's a couple of few things that i still am dealing with and things come up um so that, there's this is a journal that shannon's showing me with two pages full a big journal uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with two pages full of physical um ailments and diseases that the lord has either miraculously instantaneously healed her from or that she has walked through healing in over time and maybe a few that you're still being healed from but you you're standing on the faith that those few will also line up and you'll right be healed. right and so back in those days i would just sit and journal and i'm not a very good artist but you can see me as a little girl walking with my heavenly father um me um here there's a picture of me with the the armor on and all the pictures i'm smiling you know and and that god had me like encapsulated as he was teaching me and showing me i was safe i was safe for the first time uh after i received um the healing prayers and the steps to freedom i had peaceful sleep mm. i would drink um before because i was afraid to go to sleep i had insomnia and um i would have nightmares mm. and they were very real uh like a movie and i would wake up in panic attacks right sweaty you know anxiety filled uh traumatic experiences when i would sleep that would different levels sometimes i would just wake up and my husband wouldn't know but sometimes i'd wake up and i'd wake him up and because i just needed someone to be with me um because i was just afraid to go back to sleep again and so he would roll over and console me and hug me and i'd go to sleep in his arms and what god showed me is that his arms are always open to me he never sleeps he never slumbers um, I learned how to do spiritual warfare, uh, and it's nothing like on TV. Uh, <laughs> you know, I learned so much from God and from the freedom and healing team and from the internship and then being able just to do it regularly with other people, you know, to just give away. That's that scripture that just to be give away freely what God has given me. So, you know, we do this to the, our church, you know, body, but also it's just open to the community and it's a beautiful ministry for men and women. And I highly recommend wherever you are, whatever state you're in, you can go to Neil Anderson's um, website and you can check it out for yourself. Do not stay in bondage. Do not stay, a victim, stand up, you know, stand up, just arise, wake up and realize that you're a child of the most high God. And he wants more for you. He wants more for you in the fullness of who he's called you to be, that we were not made to walk in that trauma, to walk in the sins that we had before. We are not, our identity is not based on 
you know, the family that we were born into, the trauma that we've experienced, the mistakes we've made. No, we are grafted into the family of God. We are fully grafted in means that we are fully grown in to the family of God that are we now have access to the mind of Christ, the peace of God, the wisdom of God. He says, if we ask for his wisdom, he'll give it to us freely. Like, wise up, ask for it. It's a free gift. Like Jesus, it's free. And then it's, we get it freely. Jesus paid an unthinkable price for the freedoms that we walk in, not just as being living here in America, the freedoms that we have, but the freedoms that we have in Christ that far surpass anything that we get as being an American, like that, that citizenship of heaven is far and above anything that we could hope or ask for. So Shannon, is this for anyone? Yes. Yes, it is. It is for anyone. And, and you know, man, woman, child. Um, one of my friends, uh, dear friend, Connie told me this recently. She said, you know what? There's no grandchildren in heaven. We're all, you know, um, children of God. And, and, you know, position wise, we are a firstborn son. Uh, uh, we are in Christ. So we have that, we have that insignet ring, the picture that we get of the prodigal returning home. He clothed him, put on the robe, he put on the shoes, he put that ring on his finger. And that ring on his finger means that he can do business for God, that he can go out and put that insignet stamp and say, and that's what God says in his word, that our words speak life and death, speak life over yourself you know, get the help that you need in Christ. I mean, there was no amount of counselors that I could go to that were secular that could do um, what a Christian counselor or what even the, um, the, because I do periodically see a Christian counselor. Um, So the steps to freedom, that's just a tool. It's like a cliff note version of all the scriptures, of all the things that you need to know for the foundational truths for you to walk in that freedom. And I would say that step by step, God has just wowed me in such a way over the last eight years that it is really hard to think about how to include that in a podcast. So um, I gave a testimony this weekend and um, about a year ago, God, uh, I had been going to the A1 sets uh, as an intercessor, which is the audience of one. Um, uh, it's a great, the great Southwest prayer center. And it's the, um, promise of God for 24 hour, uh, seven day a week prayer and worship because he is worthy. So the audience of one is God. And so I've been going for some years since I guess 2015 as an intercessor. And then the last year or so I've been going from a set from 12 to two. And um, from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. And God started impressing on me in church. Just, I just had such a, when I'm with all the believers, I didn't really understand. But like when all the body of the believers together, Emmanuel, God in us is so amplified. So I would just have this urge during church to just, I want to dance around. I want to run and just like grab on people and say, can't you believe it? Like, isn't this just a miracle? God is with us for us. Who can stand against us? Like he is so worthy. You know, aren't you so excited? Like this is, I just was bursting at the seams. So of course, you know, I didn't do that. Um, I didn't run around and grab everybody. Thank goodness. Cause I probably would have been 
the ambulance would have come or something maybe. But anyway, so um, in that was happening in A1 set, the A1 set too. I couldn't stay seated any longer. Um, God, I mean, I had just such an antsiness that I had to just get up. And um, God was saying, get up, get on your feet, you know, worship me. And so started with just, you know, being brave, put my arms uh, a couple of years ago, put my arms up in the air. And next thing you know, I'm in the A1 set and, you know, God is, I'm a prayer, uh, uh, prayer leader. So I would get up and go pray. And then, you know, God told me he, he wanted me to dance and he called me to lead the prayer room, uh, war, war room team. And uh, Zephaniah 317 was a scripture. I didn't know anything. I'm like, Da, 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 da. like, what does this mean, Lord? You know, really awkward. And I didn't know, I just knew I was supposed to be moving and God was patient. I, you know, it took me a while to work up enough courage to come out of the war room and move around in the actual prayer room. And I got some ribbons and some flags. And then I realized I was supposed to have a bunch of flags in case people wanted to join in. And so I'd bring all this stuff to the prayer room to share. And little kids were joining in. Some adults were joining in. I would go at different times. And um, then some really interesting things started to happen. And God would give me a vision or an impression. And this is earlier this year. And of a thing to do, which was really kind of odd to me. I'm in the prayer room and th so I'm doing peculiar things. I'll be on my knees and holding a flag and doing a, like a, a movement, or I would feel like God was using me as a symbol. And if I, I told a few of my friends, cause obviously they're like seeing me do this peculiar things. And I'm like, you know, I'm not Ezekiel, obviously I don't, but this feels pretty Ezekiel ish. Like this is kind of weird. If you ask me, you know, uh, I don't really understand what God is calling me to do or what it means, but I felt like it was, you know, it, it was blessing God. It was, um, ministering to God's heart and that there was a message that was going out to the church and to the heavenlies. And it was, I want to say very unusual. I mean, there was, it was kind of awkward. People would walk by and like, Ooh, you know, and, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. So I could have like hit someone with the flags and stuff. And so God was working on me, which was really uncomfortable to honor other people, maybe not be so lost in the spirit with my eyes closed, but that I could have my eyes open and still see these things. I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know. And so it was pretty emotional. I felt very vulnerable and I felt, I can't even put my put it to words, but it was, I was a mess. And I, you know, I'd be on my floor in my closet crying out to God, like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? And why am I doing this? And, and I never got a whole lot of answers except that God would do miracles. I bought some pictures to show you where one time I was having a really hard day in the prayer room and I was crying and, and I blew my nose like a snot rag, wiped my tears. And I, I still kept going by God's strength and mercy and power, you know, tearfully would just move forward in the movements and the ribbons or the whatever. And I came back to my Bible on the table and my snot rag had turned into a beautiful little dove. And so I took a picture of that and I didn't want to throw it away, but I thought well, that's kind of weird. And God said, just take a picture. And I was like, oh yeah, smart God. <laughs> I'll just save us not rag forever. 
So now I have a picture. Um, he did some other things that were really amazing that um, super tangible um, to let me know that he sees me, that I'm where I'm supposed to be, that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, that it matters and that there's a purpose beyond what I know. And it, I had to be okay with that, right? That I was doing something for God and I didn't know what it meant really or what it was for. Then fast forward all these months of going on Thursdays and all these things that have happened. And my pastor is doing a huge series on Ezekiel. Never clicked, you know, oh yeah, you know, never clicked that I was a part of that. And then last Wednesday, my pastor contacted me um, and asked me to give his testimony. He sent me a beautiful email and just told me to go big. And uh, wow, I mean, think about how me and someone saying go big, you know, and so like, I can go big, right? <laughs> There's one thing I can do is go big. But then suddenly, um, thankfully, and suddenly, thankfully that God didn't give me a lot of time to sweat up, you know, sweat it out uh, and be troubled to put it together. Um, we'll have him put it together for me. So that was a Wednesday and this, the sermon final sermon on Ezekiel was Sunday and I gave this testimony. And, uh, so thankfully in seminary, um, Dr. Lewis, you know, really taught me, uh, how to pare down a sermon from like, like down to just a couple of minutes, you know, and, um, we were penalized for going over. So with God's help and a lot of like divine, like I said, I need a lot of tangible things to know. I don't know if he's just like trying to hit me over the head or things. He's so patient, kind and generous and extravagant that all along the way from Wednesday uh, on to Sunday, the morning of and during Sunday when I did it, God was very clear about what to do and what to say. And, um, it, you know, just after doing that, like yesterday and the day before, as I'm just processing all this, it just all started coming together about the, the vastness of this year and what God was doing and what it was meant for. And so God would have me holding my two hands together with this fire scarf. And I, and it looked, it felt like two different hands. Like this was the body of Christ, two hands, two people holding hands like this with that fiery love scarf. And I would do this motion and it would be like unity in the body. And I would bring my uh, arms toward my chest and, and kind of make a heartbeat. And then I would make a big circle again with my linked arms in a circle like this and pulling it toward my heart. And I felt like that was a symbol of God's love, fiery love. He's a consuming fire, you know, and his fiery love and the unity in the body that he wanted. And as I was, as he was helping me, you know, write out this testimony that I gave uh, on Sunday, um, he, sh he gave me the words to demonstrate that unity. And it came to life for the body then though they weren't there whenever I was doing it in the prayer room and so many other things too. And, you know, just being faithful, you know, um, one of the things that led up to that, my pastor, um, you know, contacting me was that he had heard from the Lord, um, to contact me, but he'd also been in the prayer room one uh, Thursday 
And if I had chickened out and not done what God had prepared me to do in advance to do, if I had not stepped in uh, to that call obediently, then it would have been like, it was like an Esther moment. That word would have gone out to God's, you know, congregation to the church, but I just wouldn't have been blessed to do it right then. Like, you know, I trust that God wanted this news, this word. And, um, and what a blessing that all the trouble, all the angst, all the confusion, all the not understanding of what God was doing over the last year with these symbols, with these movements, with this worship, I got to deliver that to the church on Sunday in both congregations um, in a powerful way, super concise. And um, I never really understood the fear of the Lord. I always kind of wondered about that um, through seminary, through um, really my walk over the last eight years of drawing close to God. But that moment that I got that um, activated, you know, the call, the invitation, um, for giving that testimony on Sunday, I had the fear of the Lord. I was trembling because I didn't want to step in front of our congregation and speak on half of our mighty God about the things that he was saying and doing without his approval. Like daddy, daddy, what do I say? You know, what do you want them to know? What do you, how, how do you want this information presented and what is its purpose? You know, I don't want to say a thing if it's not from you, right? I'd rather not even go. I mean, you know, uh, just stay in bed Sunday. And, you know, even on Sunday, he gave me a kiss from heaven and, uh, and the nudge I needed to jump up and go get in the shower. So I could know that I know that I know that what I was going to say that was ordained by the, by the most high God, creator of the expanse of the heavens. He holds the world in his hand and he wants to be in a personal relationship and intimate relationship with me. He wants to be in intimate relationship with you. He doesn't want to be a 911 button. He doesn't, he doesn't want um, this disunity that we have in our country and in the body around the world, you know, vaxxed, unvaxxed, what political party, whatever that's not he's not calling for people to tolerate one another you know um you know hey you're different you look different you have a different nationality whatever he's not calling for people to be just accepting of different religions of different ethnicities it's such a greater call he wants us to receive his love to such a point that we are overflowing you know otherwise we're just a clanging symbol his love, his identity, so much so that we overflow that and ignite others. Like there's a fire in our, in our, in our innermost being that is God. And that wherever we go, we catch fire to other people that they, they see something different in us, whether we speak it or we're able to or not. That's the unity, the unity that is experienced when we're in that oneness with the Lord uh, in worship, because when we're doing that, there is a unity in the spirit that is undeniable. So, and I've experienced this back or in the, in 2015, I would come as an intercessor. I wasn't on the prayer team. It was a healing, uh, healing set. I think it was 12 to two also, if I don't, if I can remember correctly. And, um, it was a healing set and I would 
pray all week for the, you know, the session and the team. And, and then I would just show up and pray on the wall. I wasn't in the meetings. I didn't have a relationship with any of these people. And sure enough, the scripture that God would put on my heart, or maybe even more than one, would be the same scripture that these people uh, that were on the worship and prayer, the worship leader and the prayer leader and the singers, you know, all this whole team, uh, the I would come and it would be the same. And we don't even know each other. Like, so we're knit together, uh, the body of Christ in this place of worship with the most high God to where our thoughts of worship are all drawn to the same scripture all. And, you know, I wouldn't know uh, if the the thing was going to be not happening, like maybe someone got sick or, you know, whatever, like the worship leader or something couldn't go or singers were sick, whatever, something happened and it wouldn't be happening. I wouldn't know. And so I would just go show up and I'd have my scripture. I'd be ready. And I hop from um, Kansas would be live streaming and lo and behold, same, same, the scripture, a song, whatever God had been putting on my heart that week was now on the TV live streaming from IHOP, which I didn't even know about that place until the prayer center. So that's the unity of God. That's the unity in the body of Christ drawn in the oneness of um, communing with God. And he, he, he does something so miraculous to give us that oneness of thought, that oneness of worship, still completely different because you're uniquely you. Your thumbprint is so spectacular. Spectacular. Your DNA, your your uniqueness is so just you, Natalie. I love you. I love all the special things about you, and um, and God made you just that way. Yes. You know, and God made me just the way I am. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't want to constantly refine me. I found out when I was on the freedom and healing team, we did all these fun things together. Uh, we do all these fun things to grow in our identity uh, in Christ. And one time, one of the things we did was to hear what God's name is for each of us. And so um, I'm uh, God's golden child. And so, you know, I feel like I'm getting to the white gold now with my white hair here, just, you know, refining me um, so that when he, if you think about gold that is um, getting refined, it's like a pool. And when you look over it, there's a reflection. And God showed me that, um, you know, as a sparkly golden girl, you know, um, that, that, that I'm reflecting him, right? And that my identity is in him. And so the more he refines me, and it, I want to say it's uncomfortable. A lot of times it's like, oh yeah, sparkles and it's so fun and wild. Yeah. But then a lot of times it's like, ugh, ouch, you know, ugh, you know, or, you know, I'll have a thought and I'm like, ugh, I don't like that. Or a chain of thoughts, a chain of behaviors. Suddenly I'm like, oh, I don't like that at all. Like, Lord, save me from myself. Like, I don't want to have these thought patterns. I don't want to, I don't want to be like that on the inside. And it feels icky now. Like if I am going down a thought process of unforgiveness or, being judgmental or just being a jerk, you know, I mean, we're just humans. Like I'm not perfect. So, you know, but I don't like it. I don't like it. I want, I want to be more like my, my daddy. I want to, you know, reflect him to the world. So, so Shannon, I have seen, I love this story of, um, a child of trauma is now God's golden 
golden child, yes, golden girl. Yes. And I've, I have actually been personally touched by you. Um, we were in the prophetic prayer ministry together. Yes. And when I was moving to another, uh, city, you actually came a bunch of the group of y'all prayed over me, mm -hmm. but you actually gave a prophetic word over me. Oh my goodness. And Remind me. I don't remember Yes, that I would go and lead in prayer and prophecy in this new place awesome. and even greater things. And since then we have started a prayer ministry where I Ooh. am. We're in the works of starting a prophetic prayer ministry um, and now this podcast. So that prophecy has come true and God has used you. I have one um, last question. Sure. I want to ask you, um, what is the one thing that everyone needs to know? God sees you. God sees you. And don't, you know, don't do what I did. Don't spend, you know, 36 years not knowing. I mean, and if you spent longer than 36 years, you know, make that choice now to draw close. Um, you know, Jesus said, um, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so when I look around the world at the chaos the world is in, I have a peace in my spirit because, uh, you know, Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so there's a lot of trouble in this world. And if you're striving for anything else, but drawing close to the heart of God, that is where you need to be. However old you are, it's never too late. It's never, and, and God is never through with us. He said that he will see it to completion. The good work that he started in me, he will see it to completion. He is not through with me yet. We are on a wild ride. And um, I have so much hope and excitement about the future, about um, God's plans and purposes for my life. I know he's for me, who can stand against me. And not that I don't have moments where I get like disillusioned or like going, what's happening? Um, because, you know, that's just part of being human. But I know that I know that I know that that God sees me and he is with me. He is for me. And that confidence that I have, I want every single person out there to be able to walk in that identity that it's unshakable, like that you can see when the enemy is lying to you and see when uh, troubles are coming uh, your way that, you know, and know that God is praying for you, with you, for you, and that nothing is impossible for God. And the other way to say it is, is that everything is possible for God. So no, no matter what personality type you got, there is a scripture there to help you wrap your mind around like the vastness of God, the, the, the beginning of understanding to know that God is so big, his love is so big and vast that we can't comprehend it. That's the beginning of wisdom to understand that those scriptures are for you and dig in, taste and see that the Lord is good and draw close to him. Don't be that 911 button pusher like I was. Don't live in a house of cards. Don't try to just strive to have all those masks and check the boxes. It's so void of the fullness of God when you're trying to do all those things. Um, and if you don't know, if you don't know Jesus, I welcome you to make that um, proclamation. I want to know you and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Teach me, show me. I want to walk with you. You know, say that prayer and then seek to get discipled. And don't wait till you think you know everything to start telling everybody you know about Jesus. Right now, if you don't know, 
all the good things that I was just telling you about, like if, if, if this is your first time to accept Jesus into your heart right now, you know, more unbelievers than, than anybody, you know, like, like, so right now, like, you know, the woman at the well, she found out and immediately went Jesus center, you know, the demoniac, you know, was filled with uh, legions of demons. And God said, no, you can't come with me. Jesus said, no, you can't come with me. You need to go and tell. So, you know, Receive that fire in your heart, accept Jesus into your heart, and then be that fire out into the world, into the ends of the earth. Like start right where you are. Tell everyone you know, there's a God in heaven that sees you. He wants to be the Lord of your life, not to control and Lord over you, but to walk with you and talk with you, be near to you. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. His arms are always open to you. He always wants to hear your prayers and he's there for you. Be blessed to stay and receive the love and relationship and intimacy with the Most High God. He is worthy. Wow. That's an amazing testimony, Shannon. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Oh, thank you for asking me. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, friends. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be grateful if you could share it with a friend and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your encouragement will be helpful in leading others to find us. You can stay connected with me on Facebook or Instagram at His Redemption Road. Also, if you haven't read my memoir, Healing Wings by Natalie Sherwood, you can pick it up on Amazon today. Have an amazing week in the Lord and be blessed everywhere you go.